Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. Well, good morning, or good evening, or is it morning? It will be morning in an hour. Uh, I'm Randy Tobler, in for Ryan Recker tonight on Overnight America. And um, I, I tell you, it has been so wild and woolly with breaking news uh, from this afternoon on. We will bring you up to date on that. And, uh, of course, uh, take your phone calls because things are wild and woolly here at the end of the year as 2020, the, the most chaotic year that... Even any old-timer I know remembers, uh, winds to an end, and uh, Donald Trump is keeping it exciting. Uh, the, the latest news, he signs the massive uh, spending bill, partnered with the COVID relief bill, in case uh, you hadn't heard. And uh, so re- without alterations, although he's going to suggest uh, some, some red lines, basically, and see if there can be some adjustment. But uh, we'll get some, uh, get some of your opinions on whether uh, 600 bucks is enough to help you. Uh, whether it's too much because you don't need it and you don't want to pay the taxes to pay for it, whether $2,000 would have been a lot better, uh, just the whole structure of it, and whether he makes a point, and so do others, that uh, maybe the spending wasn't right on the other side of that bill equation. So uh, that's uh, one of the topics this evening. We'll be talking about, as well, the the vaccine situation and how the EEOC has uh, issued guidelines. We're going to be talking with... uh, Paul Siegert, a uh, benefits uh, expert from PCS Advisors um, out of, uh, out of uh, the, the West Coast, and, and get some ideas about, like, the mandate on the vaccine. Apparently, employers are split half and half, and I want to talk with you about that. Uh, and, and, of course, then the Nashville bomber, uh, and we won't mention his name, but apparently he uh, it was a suicide bombing with warnings uh, for people to get away unclear what the motives are that will be developing i'm sure over the next few days maybe as they unravel the sick twisted background behind that it is a it is a crazy time and uh, if you were with me last monday and tuesday uh, you know i you, you may have heard about my my love for late night radio and it's really what got me into broadcasting starting here at KMOX with the with a health and wellness show back in 98 and uh, and then on to KFTK our sister station where i've been doing uh, medicine and culture and of course, politics, because all of them seem to be jumbled together like a, like a wonderful a wonderful salad. You know, it's, it 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 takes a little lettuce and a little tomato and a little dressing and a little cheese and you know some croutons. So there's a little mix of everything. Uh, but but the late night radio thing is fun because we can take it 
back a little bit, kick back, enjoy one another's company, have a discussion. And um, as I think about the late night radio scene and the, the folks that I listen to, I keep thinking of a book written by a legend in talk radio, Art Bell. Uh, who used to broadcast out of Pahrump, Nevada. And, you know, you had this vision of him in a in, in an RV of sorts, maybe an Airstream trailer, maybe even not that fancy, with antennas and transmitters everywhere, and uh, waxing eloquently uh, throughout the night. But he wrote a book called The Quickening, and that was back in the 90s. And, and it, it, I read the book, and I, it, it just, the current events, the pace of events, the, the, the sometimes absurdity of the events, just makes you wonder if things aren't headed and catapulting in this country and maybe in our world towards some, I don't want to get too apocalyptic here, but it's just interesting the way things are going. Polarization politically, possibly engineered bioterror viruses being released from Chinese labs. I mean, was it just a virus that was a mean son of a gun that was uh, accidentally released or was it intentionally released and was it intentionally engineered? A vaccine that so many uh, on one side of the political aisle said they wouldn't take because it, it had Trump's imprimatur on it, now lining up to take it. And then within that party, among members of the squad, the most progressive part of that party, we have uh, Ilmar Oha, uh, <laughs> Ilham Omar uh, saying, no, I'm not going to take it because I want people who should get it to get it and scolding AOC who gets it. We see Republicans fighting over whether any amount of money or $600 or $2,000 is enough. People saying, don't go to the polls and vote for the Republicans in the runoff in Georgia because we're bitter over what happened to Trump. I mean, it's all over the map, the way people are behaving. I mean, I'll take off my tinfoil hat if you'll tell me it's really not the craziest thing you've ever seen and maybe it's leading up to something apocalyptic who knows 314-436-7900 is uh, is the number if you want to weigh in on what appears to be a uh, an irreconcilable chain of events politically culturally uh, and now medically with this uh, pandemic and and the mutant which I understand, and I looked into this carefully, being an OBGYN and uh, the head of a hospital uh, where we just got our, our first dose of vaccines. I took mine last Tuesday. And really, other than more soreness in, at the site of injection in the muscle, just muscular soreness, than I'm accustomed to for the influenza, which I usually don't even notice, and many of you probably don't notice it either, really nothing else there. That's, that's the most common thing I've heard. And if, uh, if, you know, if you haven't had a chance to get it, perhaps you're a healthcare worker, the, you know, late at night in the lab, maybe you've got the radio on at the, at the state, at the nurse's station, um, in the doctor's lounge, you know, you're typing away at your, at your computer based charts. And if you, if you've received the vaccine, I'd like to know how, how things have gone. And of course, the, there's been a delay in the rollout of the complete tiering system and uh, as rapidly as the governor and people would like in Missouri because the feds have not rolled out as many vaccination doses as they thought they were going to get. But in light of the mutation that's being reported in UK, and I think it's already here. I mean, travel, every, the viruses spread so rapidly now. That's one deficit of globalization. These kind of infectious disease threats will travel, you know, with, with our millions and millions of people flying every day. 
And over the Christmas holiday, it was, uh, I think there was over a million or more people flying, and despite uh, Anthony Fauci's warnings. But that's why these things get trans- transferred and transmitted before the, the, the authorities and the public health officials even know what's going on. Hopefully, the, and, and presumably, the, 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 the 3D structure of the spike protein against which the vaccines are, are engineered to work is only 1% different even though there's several mutations that have built up and expressed itself to make it more transmissible, more contagious. But it's not thought to be any, uh, any more uh, sinister, any more deadly, just more, about 80% more trans, uh, transmittable. On the other hand, uh, everyone that I know and all the authorities who I respect say the vaccines that have been developed should be effective against it. So we shouldn't worry about that. But we'll talk with Paul Siegert, who's a uh, uh, employee benefits expert about several things i want to talk with them about that about pharmaceutical costs in the next year i mean that that's what's going crazy while you're paying so much out of your pocket for premiums and 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 all the rest um so we'll talk about that and and i do want to talk about mandated vaccination at your workplace and whether or not that's uh, that's in the offing and whether or not employees can do that and employers can do that some employees want it to protect themselves from others and vice versa so lots to talk about all night. We'll be, we'll be here till 1 o'clock. And after that, of course, our American story. I'm Randy Tobler, in for Ryan Rucker on Overnight America. On K- St. Louis's traffic station, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Randy Tobler, in for Ryan Rucker. And uh, we're joined now by Paul Siegert. He's played an integral role in changing the way businesses manage their second largest expense. What is that? Well, it, it may be getting people connected remotely uh, right now, but in general, it's human resources. And he's going to help us unravel some of the uh, spokes that come from the COVID-19 hub, uh, which has been a real nightmare for employers. I can tell you, as, uh, as the CEO of a little hospital in northeast Missouri, it is a, it's a nightmare. How are you doing, Paul? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Hey, so I guess good news for um, business people, good news for employees, not only those who have jobs uh, and will get a check, but those who don't have jobs and will get a check. But for those who do have jobs, they'll be able to, uh, some who may have been on the rocks because of the business that they're working for being threatened with uh, existentially with, you know, prolonged shutdowns and, and on and on. Uh, the president, uh, I guess, bluffed. I mean, I guess he blinked and he signed the bill this evening. I guess uh, with uh, with reservations, what's in it for the for the payroll protection program, and what does that mean for for employees out there who are listening? Well, it's a big deal. We've got three hundred billion dollars that is going to into what we call, I guess, it's being called PPP two, and not only is there a, a significant cash infusion into the program, uh, there's some some really key changes for business owners. One of those is the fact that they can now get tax deductibility of expenses that they paid for using PPP funds. That wasn't uh, true prior. And so that's, that's a big deal for business owners. And uh, some nonprofits will be eligible for the first time. And that, that's going to bring in a lot of new PPP loans. And um, they've got $20 billion that they're adding into the, EI, the EIDL grants. Uh, and they've got some specific funds set aside for different categories, $15 billion for live venues that have, of course, been hit really hard, uh, and $12 billion 
that's set aside for those in low income or minority communities. So it's, from a business business standpoint, it's very good news. Now, there are, of course, businesses that haven't made it. I mean, it's a pretty right. sad story for lots of businesses in 2020. 110,000 restaurants alone are closed permanently, about one in six. So it's, it's yeah, I know we talked with Chef Andrew Gruel, uh, who's with the Slapfish uh, you know, organization and uh, founder of that, actually, uh, last Monday. He's been quite active in advocating for uh, – you know, and and really, I think calling out the hypocrisy when you can go into mm-hmm. crowded stores, big box stores, and and uh, it seems as though there's just been a you know government picking winners and losers, and unfortunately, the losers are those who have put their life savings, second and third mortgage, their house. I don't think you can get a third mortgage, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, absolutely, and, and, yeah, and losing their business. Uh, but it's good to hear. You know, it's it now. Well, you talked about deductibility of stuff that uh, that the business has purchased with the loan. Uh, that could be forgivable. Is that going to apply to the first tranche of uh, PPP, uh, you know, of some of the money that they borrowed or not? I think some of this is yet to be clarified, but that is my understanding that that, that became a huge issue. And so they made that move to correct that here in the second round. And there'll, there'll also be an opportunity for some businesses that have been hit incredibly hard, but have hung on to get a second PPP loan. So some of these funds will go to first PPP loans for those that hadn't applied yet. But in some cases, and if they had a, if they can show a downturn of 25% or more of their revenue in one quarter of 2020 over the same quarter in 2019, then they can apply again. And you mentioned that, some money to be the lifeline some need. You mentioned uh, the, the, some support for for live venues. Do you mean entertainment uh, facilities? Uh, you know, theaters. Movie houses, or exactly. does that include uh, no, nothing in there for restaurants as a carve-out, huh? That, you know, that is that is a crazy thing. I mean, there, there's a lot of push for a restaurant act that would target that industry specifically because it's obviously in a free fall. You've got, uh, I think it's more than a third of those that have hung on to this point, some 500,000 that remain or so. A third of them say, if things continue as they are, they will not be open in four to six mm. months. I mean, that's incredible mm. when you yeah. think about it. Yeah. And, and and not only that, in trying to stay afloat, many of them have spent buku bucks, uh, both with indoor partitions and other accommodations, and, and of course, some sometimes some fairly elaborate outdoor facilities to, to accommodate that. And, um, I mean, we've seen it here in our metro St. Louis area where there's been lockdowns and there's been some civil disobedience. It hasn't really, well, they've threatened to, to enforce it. Whether or not that's going to go through or not, I don't know, in individual cases. But, um, you know, between trying to defend potentially against, uh, uh, you know, against the government, uh, you know, prosecuting you and the expenses you incurred. And a lot of these are small, you know, mom and pop outfits. And and maybe they flow through with an S corp or, or to a personal tax return. You could see people just filing bankruptcy on top of the business failing. I mean, this could be just, just the ripple effects could be devastating. No, there's no question. I mean, 44 percent of our economy is made up by businesses that are under 500 employees, and it's about half the jobs out there. It's mm. just, I mean, pandemics aren't a new thing, but the way we've handled this pandemic is new. We haven't ever told businesses that they have to simply shut their shut their doors turn off their revenue and somehow try to stay afloat it's this has been a crazy year 
unless you happen to have a very big business that sells the very same items in <laughs> exactly. aisle 23 and 24 that the small business a retailer doesn't sell. I mean, that are sells, you know what I mean? So it's uh it totally, that to me is totally agree. that's the major head scratcher, isn't it? It is. I I won't mention any names, but I go to a, a national retailer just about every weekend. I've got five kids and somebody has to teach them how to work, so I'm doing some remodeling on my my own home and um, it's maybe 50% of the folks in there are even wearing a mask and there's no, no issue made of it. And yet these restaurants are just and other small businesses like them are under great pressure and, and fear and stress, uh, about how they can do it with reduced revenues and, and increased expenses that you pointed out to accommodate all these new requirements. And then the starting and the stopping and, you know, they, they, think they've got it on track and then maybe another lockdown hits. I'm in California and I'm watching them go through that again, where they're just shutting, shutting their doors. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Well, what, are, what are some of the ways that uh, employers who do have some revenue, it hasn't been a total collapse, total lockdown. Uh, maybe they're considered, you know, those essential businesses, uh, but still revenues down because people either don't have the money to spend or they're, you know, they're limiting their, right. their shopping exposure um what are some of the ways that employers and employees can work together with some low-hanging fruit maybe maybe it's not a big expense for the employer maybe there's what kind of things can can employers do to to try to retain employees and show good faith and uh, at the same time ask reasonable but not crushing sacrifices of employees so that together they can move forward after this thing's over yeah, some of them have found some of the, the businesses that we've had the opportunity to work with, and we have um, clients all over the country. They've they've found places to recover some of this lost revenue. Uh, the overhead costs of running a, a significant office are there's some of those things are going away. Some of those costs, and they're, they're many of them won't come back. They've they're finding out that they can be just as productive remotely. I think that's part of the solution that some uh, businesses are finding that we're talking to. Uh, and then looking in their cost stack on a P&L and saying, what are some of our largest expenses? Healthcare is an area that I talk about every day. And most of the average business now is spending more than $15,000 per employee per year on healthcare when you factor in the dependent costs and everything else. It's a massive expense. And it runs about... In our experience, there's often an opportunity to shave as much as half of that expense without reducing the quality. And there's a huge, that can be a huge opportunity for employers. Well, I'm curious, uh, how, how are you doing that? Because one of the things we've been trying to, uh, to advocate, and it's, it's actually been hard because of, I think the, the lock that, uh, that brokers have uh, from the traditionally mm-hmm. fully insured products is uh, is a direct to provider make that hospital hospital system doctors offices whatever uh, a direct that's relationship. part of the solution yeah yeah absolutely and, and it can tra- work we've out we've even promoted a, a, a retainer based solution um, and that's mm-hmm. one step beyond that I mean uh, sort of uh, you know a throwback to HMOs but take out the middleman except for the most uh, you know, consequential illnesses, very high-end tertiary care, and you just have a wraparound right. policy for that. You know, it's a fantastic model, but it's hard to break through the brokerage, uh, <laughs> the, the broker uh, industrial <laughs> complex, right? Oh, believe me, that's my, that's my, I have that conversation every day, uh, five plus times a day, and it's, it, that is the conversation I'm having. 
on a daily basis. There's so many people involved in this massive sector of our economy, or you know, a sixth of our economy is tied up in in healthcare, and really, it's more so tied up in how we pay for healthcare, how we how we fund it. Uh, you That's know, right. Which is what yeah, you we're, we're, out. Talk, we're spending a lot of time talking about insurance and not buying health care. Hey, we've got to we got to exactly. do a break. Can you hang with us uh, after the break? Because I'd like to talk with you about vaccines and especially mandates in the workplace uh, for, you know, for various uh, essential industries uh, and and whether or not that's going to gain traction in the uh, in the employer groups. It's, it's interesting. And some of the legalistics behind that. Paul, uh, Paul yeah, Secret is with us. He's the managing partner at PCS Advisors. And uh, we'll continue with Paul after the break. If you have a question, the numbers are 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back on KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. KMOX Weekend at your service. Sponsored by Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Well, we're back on Overnight America on KMOX. Randy Tobler in for Ryan Recker. And we're talking with Paul Siegert, who's the managing partner at PCS Advisors at PCSAdvisors.com about, oh, everything COVID as it's related to employment and employers and employees. And, uh, Paul, I, I think this vaccine issue is going to be an interesting one to watch because the EEOC issued some guidelines a week or so ago saying that it's okay for employers to to, to mandate vaccines. Now, they have to, there are certain conditions that have to be met, but I, I, most, I'm just curious in what your advice is to your employers. Let's say they're in a, uh, in a service industry, uh, you know, healthcare being number one, of course, maybe uh, food service, you know, some things where it's essential not only to avoid litigation just because ethically and morally the right thing to do to protect your, 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 your clients from, from infection, but also we have a responsibility as employers to keep our workplace safe for other employees. So what are you advising? Obviously, it's going to be beneficial for the workforce at a given place to, to, to be vaccinated. But how, what's the best way to do that? Is, is the carrot or the stick the best way? Well, we're seeing it uh, being done in different ways. You, you pointed out a few of the industries where it's most likely see mandates, healthcare, travel, retail, that and where it does make a lot of sense. But one part of the story that's not being told uh, that I, some of the, the feedback that we're getting is that although employers may really need to mandate the vaccine, that employees be vaccinated, not only to protect the other employees, but and to protect customers and, and do what they feel is morally the right thing. But for liability reasons, there's reason they have uh, an obligation, really, under OSHA to have a, a safe workplace. And so there's potential liability for them if they don't. <laughs> there's liability if they do, potentially, and if they don't. But the CDC and the EEOC both agree COVID-19 meets the direct threat definition where uh, they can mandate this. But another part of the story, another interesting thing that we've seen is that some employers are even though they feel they should and that it would be the right thing to do, they're fearful that if they do, they'll lose the employees they need to run their business. We've gotten that feedback from some of the folks we work with who run uh, nursing care facilities. They have a tough time filling the jobs as they are, and they've got folks that have left just out of the, the sheer concern that they would be forced to receive a vaccine that they're nervous about. Wow. 
Yeah, at our at our hospital, uh, surprisingly, I mean, I would think that healthcare workers and people in the medical industry would be just absolutely get, couldn't roll their sleeves up fast enough. But we, right. I mean, there's suspicion out there because it's new and it was quick. And of right. course, what they don't know is that the development was very quick as opposed to other vaccines. But the quality and safety analysis and testing was no different than a vaccine that takes four or five or six years to develop, like in, on the traditional platforms. But anyway, it, it, the news is out there uh, that, that this may be you know so novel that it's got all kinds of uh, un, unappreciated risks. We've only had about 60, 65% of the folks in our building, and that's a high number among my colleagues in, in the industry of people that want it. And I, we're uh, currently, our leadership team is, is concocting a way to, for those who don't want to get it to maybe, well, everyone would be eligible. We're, we're thinking of just having like a lottery. If you, you know, if you get your vaccine, you can, we're, we're going to give away some iPads or something. I don't know. We're, we're going to try the carrot approach because the stick I think is fraught with potential pushback and potentially what if someone gets an allergic reaction? What if someone gets some other right. untoward reaction? Um, even if it's transient, I mean, you can see all kinds of just a, a, a legal quagmire coming out of sort of the forced mandate approach, but you can do it with some restrictions, right? There's some exceptions. Employees yeah, there can't are. Say no. um, that's right. You, if you have, you also have to deal with reasonable accommodation by the ADA. So if people have certain disabilities, uh, they could be excluded or be, be in that accepted group. And then also, if you have sincere religious objection, uh, then you could also have an exception. Uh, of course, an employee could say they have a, a religious objection, and it's really tough for an employer to question that, even if they, they think that may not be sincere. They, they have no way to – they open up more well, that, liability by digging into well, that's that. A that's a question I had. I mean, can the employer say, you know, um, give me a note from your pastor or your imam or your, you know, your rabbi or. <laughs> <laughs> they can, I, I but if you go to the a HR intrusive. attorneys, they're going to tell you, don't do that. <laughs> you can, but you're, you're certainly asking for trouble, right? Well, I've even read in some of the guidance, uh, some of the interpretive uh, uh, follow-up to the guidance that, since there's a pre-vaccination questionnaire, that's standard for any for influenza, any vaccine. And, you know, we routinely give ours at the workplace mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it asks, do you have an allergy? Have you ever had the vaccine? Of course, in this case, everyone's answering no. Um, but I, I've read variable things, so I'm hoping you, you can clear it up for me. One source seemed to imply that if they just refuse to answer the, the, the questionnaire, they're out. I mean, that, that's that's an easy out. Uh, and you mentioned another one just to say, well, I've got a religious objection, you know, I'm, I'm done. But um, can, do they is is asking them to, to to answer the questionnaire if it's mandated? Could that be a, a loophole that employees could use if they wanted and say, well, I refuse to do that because that's an intrusion into my medical privacy? I, I my expectation is that that will work and employers will err on the side of caution. Yeah. When, when dealing with getting into these HR issues, that yeah. seems to be the trend. So are you just advising um, education and, uh, you know, here's another question I had for you. Okay, so let's say we're going to go easy on it and we're going to tread very lightly and, and err mm-hmm. on the side of trying not to do the mandate. Can you do something like this? Okay, you're part of my, employee-based, my employer-based health plan, dear employee, and for those employees who choose not to get vaccinated, should they come down with COVID-19, the health plan won't cover it for that specific, um, that specific problem. 
Is that, could you amend your plan to do that? Because to me, that would be like the ultimate American way, right? You have a choice, but there's going to be consequences if you choose to do something, and I'm not going to own your the consequences of your choice, dear employee. Does that work or not? Well, there are there is some precedent for that kind of thing. We have uh, whole state health plans that have different premium amounts that they charge the employees if they're a smoker, as an example, versus being a non-smoker. So it's not without precedent that you yeah. could tie consequences to to decisions that employees make. Uh, so I would I would leave it to the. That's, that's the kind of question we would take to our ERISA attorneys and, and have them <laughs> give us guidance on. But uh, we certainly have seen there is there is precedent for being able to tie consequences okay. to decisions. Well, there you go. Well, so, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to uh, to hear what what folks say as those different um, formulas of trying to get folks into the program with vaccination, how that's going to all work out. That dance between employer and employee will be interesting. Uh, the last it thing sure I, I want to touch base with you about is the pharmacy story and how we're going mm-hmm. to, that is driving most of the increase in premiums and cost sharing with employees. Uh, from Without a doubt. Again, it's, it's happening this year again. What What's your take <laughs> on that? What can employers do and what can employees do to try to help reduce the cost for everyone? Well, at the employee level, be a good consumer. Unfortunately, the the bad news is, and I have strong confidence in the American consumer, and I think that empowering the American consumer to be able to consume like they do in all other areas of their life will be a huge part of this fix for the way that we pay for health care. But we've trained the consumer. We've, we've tricked the consumer in a way. We've hidden real cost behind co-pays and deductibles. Mm. And we've trained employers to to buy health care one year at a time and prepay for health care and then uh, forget about it for a year. And, we, and the costs have been going up incredibly. And then at the employee level, we've trained the employee or, or we've insulated the employee from the real cost by having them look at a $20 copay when the drug that they're being prescribed might cost $2,000 or five or 10. So there's, mm. With this system that we have currently, and I'm speaking about the insurance end of it largely, is not providing the information that the consumer needs to consume effectively. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's by design. And right now we have, when we look at a, we analyze plans all the time. In my first career, I was a Russian intelligence analyst, so I, I'm, I am officially a nerd. And I look at data and we see about 30% of a typical health plan is, is on drugs. Shoot, if you go back 10, 15, 20 years, that's, that gets down into the single digit. The right. drug, the, you're absolutely right, the increased drug costs is, is, the, is the biggest challenge we face, and it's on track to be as much as 50% of a plan. We expect to see an employer's health plan, 50% of that cost overall will be drugs in the next two, three years, very likely. Yeah. And they, we so have those are good watchwords. I mean, ultimately, the employees are going to pay through pay for it through lower wage increases, uh, higher cost share, and and I think you're right. I mean, we're going to have to get a handle on that. I know Amazon's got some uh, some online pharmacy things coming out. There's other innovative ways, but uh, but I think uh, personal responsibility again. We just talked about it in the other realm, and I think here it's important too. Folks have to try to 
do some health and wellness practices too to reduce the burden because it uh, it affects everyone. Hey, Paul, we got to no jump doubt. off. I really do appreciate you being with us, and I would uh, hope folks would uh, check with you if they have questions in uh, in these matters. PCSAdvisors.com uh, is the website. And uh, are you on Twitter, Paul? Oh, oh there we go. We had a little drop in the audio there, but thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Hey, thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. There is Paul Siegert with PCS Advisors at PCSAdvisors.com. It's Overnight America. Randy Tobler in for Ryan Recker on KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. Your call's coming up. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. MichaelsFlooringOutlet.com. We're back on Overnight America. Hope you found that interesting. There, uh, you know, the employment matters are, are very convoluted, extremely difficult to manage when you look at case-by-case scenarios. And um, I, I think it's, we've reached a point where you almost need to have, if you're, a, if you're an employer, you need to have an in-house lawyer to try to figure out how to fairly treat people and, and stay compliant. But at the same time, you are writing the check and you need to keep a business open in order to keep people employed. And so sometimes that means you need to, to, to um, enforce some, some rules, but often those are at odds with um, the EEOC laws, the, the EEOC commission that enforces the laws and the regs around those laws and the statutes uh, having to do with Americans with disabilities act and, and on and on and on. So it's fun to talk with the, with human resources people from time to time, because as you can tell, uh, there's not always crystal clear answers in every case. I'm, I'm curious if, if, if you have concerns over your employer saying you must stick a needle, I must stick a needle in your arm or hire someone to do that. If I'm not a healthcare institution, get a third party contractor to, uh, to keep the workplace safe from your coworkers and uh, from our customers. I think there's a there's a good argument to be made in behalf of employers who are trying to do the right thing and protect everyone in the building, whether they're workers or customers, from getting something that can be, in some cases, deadly and deadlier than influenza. On the other hand, I mean, we're a country that um, has has traditionally accepted risk taking and liberty in order to maintain uh, that freedom that we so cherish, even if, it, even if it means sacrificing a little bit of our own health. The question is, in this case, how much individual autonomy is appropriate if you're an employee at a workplace? Now, granted, if you have some kind of a medical reason not to get a vaccine, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. But on the other hand, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that... Uh, that gentle twisting of the arm through education and a little bit of some lottery style bribe let's call it what it is lottery style bribe with a little yeah you can you'll be in a raffle we'll we'll throw your you know here's your here's your card having received the vaccine and there's a little stub on it and you tear it off and you throw it in the hat and uh, you know we'll uh, once everyone in the building who's wanted a vaccine has gotten it then we'll go ahead and draw for some kind of a all-expense-paid trip to Wuhan. No, not, not Wuhan. We don't want to go to Wuhan. 
Where will we go? There's nowhere safe these days, is there? Even the countries that, you know, I, I read that there was a surge in, in uh, South Korea, in Japan, not to the level we've had that. And I think the, the data is pretty clear that those folks who have dealt with flus, uh, flu vi influenza viruses, and, and before that, SARS, um, SARS-1, when they get word of the virus that starts in these Asian countries and uh, it's coming their way, immediately everyone masks up and they start doing some of the social hygiene, if you will, that, that cluster of activities that, that you know, is designed to mitigate spread, along with contact tracing. And they do a pretty good job of, of limiting the carnage that it does on not only people's personal health, but on the economy. And uh, I, I really think in that setting, it can be, it can be done with a lot, a lot more of a surgical approach rather than what it turns out, I think, in, in, our, in our case, we did it with a butter knife. And again, that may be part of our culture. That just may be the American culture, that we're just not going to submit to early, even though we did with a lockdown, first 15, then 30 days. Um, which, by the way, we have to remind everyone was, was instituted by the states, the government, the federal government and the CDC and the president, uh, you know, made those made those recommendations. But they don't they did not have enforcement authority or they did not try to have enforcement authority. They left it up to the states and it was ultimately enforced at that level to varying degrees. And as it all washes out in our country, in our great American experiment. You can see that those con those those states that were less restrictive, Texas, Florida, uh, to some extent, Missouri, although Missouri had a surge, you know, late in the game here in the in the autumn, really fared no worse. And in some cases, a lot better. And I think it's arguably true, tons better than the most aggressive top down command and control environments, namely New York and, and, and California. So at the end of the day, when you when you have something that spreads this rapidly, that has the capacity to overwhelm healthcare facilities and you know kill people um, in the in the making of that. Uh, you're going to have you're going to have illness. You're going to have uh, impact on the economy, and you're going to have death. And I think uh, you just rather not see people um, dying of other things that are you know related because of an increase in suicides. We've seen that. Uh, an increase in mental health, and how many, how many illicit drug and alcoholism problems have been spawned as a result of this? And what will the long-term ravages be? I think it's going to take the social scientists a generation to look back and figure out what we got right and what we got wrong. And by we, I mean collectively, everyone in America, whether it was people who thought that this virus was a hoax and there was nothing to it, I've known some of those people, and when the virus touches someone very close to them or them, things change. Or whether it was people that uh, had a, a laser-like monovision, tunnel vision on, on the virus, and I think Anthony Fauci could be one of those guys. Uh, that, uh, that, well, you know, the heck with the economy. The heck with mom and pop who just started a small business last year. And now it's shut down and then it's opened and then it's shut down. And then they try to make accommodations. I'm thinking especially of restaurants. Meanwhile, they can, you can see, you know, 
shoulder to shoulder, you know, people packed in various other venues, including the streets of America this summer. And so um, it's, it's, it's going to have an emotional toll on people that lost everything. And that weakens the immune system, makes you susceptible to other infections, cancer, uh, and on and on and on. So uh, there, we, won't, we won't know the full extent of all the damage done from the cure, not just the, 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 the disease as well. Hey, we'll come back at the top of the hour and mix it up a little more. I want to talk about some of the political uh, unknowns of the election just passed from the Cook Report. Randy Tobler in for Ryan Rucker, Overnight America, KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.